Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey, Browns fans, before we get started, just want to thank the sponsors of today's show. Head to omahasteaks.com slash dogs, D-A-W-G-S right now and use promo code dogs when you check out. Take advantage of the 50% off site-wide sale, plus you'll get eight free burgers with your order. And again, use that code dogs when you check out to get $30 off your order. And Danger Coffee. Get 10% off at dangercoffee.com slash dogs. Use promo code dogs. 10% off mold-free, toxin-free, delicious coffee. Welcome to the Dogs Podcast with your hosts, Blake Reniker, Justin Charles, and Josh All. What's up, Browns fans? Welcome back to another episode of the Dogs Podcast presented by Omaha Steaks. Josh, all alone with you, and we are going over to the offensive side of the ball in our State of the Browns recap series, breaking down the Browns positional units one by one. We started with the defense. I went through cornerbacks, safeties, linebackers, defensive ends, and I just did defensive tackles ending in the trenches right in the middle of the action on that defensive side of the ball. Now we're going to flip right into the trenches on the offensive side of the ball. So just like defensive line, you know, originally I had intended to do that entire episode in one take, and it got kind of long because there's a lot of players to talk about when you're talking about a defensive line or an offensive line. These, The trenches is where the action happens on every single football play. And That's why when you look at NFL rosters, you know, you got a lot of guys at the offensive line position. You've got a lot of guys at the defensive line position. These, you know, these positions need depth. They need players that can come in, spell a guy more so on the defensive side, but you have got to have depth and things on the offensive side, as we saw, especially this year with all the injuries and everything that happened to the offensive line. So we're going to break it all down. We're going to talk about the guys that are under contract going into 2024. We're going to talk about um, guys who were are going to be free agents. And we'll get into everything and kind of give some predictions on how, you know, the Cleveland Browns roster is going to shake out for the 2024 season based on all this information. Appreciate everybody tuning in, checking out the episodes. We love you guys. You're the best audience in the world. We tell you that all the time. We would not be able to do what we do without all of you. And I sincerely mean that this show has only grown because you guys have grown us literally. So with that being said, if you're on YouTube watching this, please like the video, subscribe to the channel, tap the notification bell. Make sure you don't miss any of the new stuff coming out. I still have the next episode of the state of the Browns is going to be running backs And then after that, we're going to be breaking down wide receivers, tight ends, and we're going to wrap everything up with a nice clean bow with the quarterback position. And then I might do a recap episode throwing in a little bit of special team stuff as well because the Browns had two, what, uh, Pro Bowl alternate special teams players this season. So we've got some great guys on this team going into 24. It's a very exciting time to be a Browns fan. And I, I just love breaking all this down with you guys. So Without further ado, let's dive into the offensive line discussion. And we're going to kick things off on the left side of the ball. Left tackle, starting left tackle, Jedrick Wills Jr. Now, Jed Wills Jr. is 6'5", 320. He is only 24 years old. He will turn 25 this May. He was born in Lexington, Kentucky, played college ball at Alabama. And, of course, he was the Browns' number 10 overall pick in the first round in 2020. Andrew Barry's first draft pick as a Cleveland Browns GM. Now, I'll kind of I'll, I'll commentate this as I go through. I know we have spoken very lowly of Jed Wills on this podcast and his lack of effort at times on the field, his definite lack of consistency. And, you know, there's definitely times where Jed Wills 
shows you exactly why he was a first round pick in the NFL draft, why he has been a starting left tackle in the NFL at the professional level, at the highest level of football since his very first game as a rookie. And then there's other times when you just go, Jed, what in the living hell are you doing out there? But we'll kind of break some of that down as well. But to the stats, Jed Wills only played in eight games this season. He was placed on IR after his MCL injury in week nine. So just, you know, one of the first devastating, impactful injuries we have to talk about on the on the offensive line for the Cleveland Browns this year. So let's move over, look at some PFF stuff. Uh, I did this on a minimum of 250 snaps for tackles. That spit out 88 qualifying tackles. So his offense grade per PFS, per, per PFF, sorry, was a 54. That was 68th out of 88. Pretty bad. His run blocking was a 54.5. That was 65th out of 88. Pretty bad. His pass blocking was a 60.1. That was 64 out of 88. Pretty bad. He played 569 total snaps. He allowed 29 total pressures on those. He had 319 pass block snaps. That came out to a 9% pressure rate. And just keep those pressure rates in mind as we go through. I'm going to break that down for each guy. 9%, easily the highest of any Browns offensive lineman this season. So and there, there you go. That kind of, if you felt like Jed Wills was out there giving up a lot of pressures against the quarterback on pass rush plays, boy, that's why, because he was. He gave up three sacks, five QB hits, 21 hurries. In comparison, we'll get to him in a little bit, but Dewan Jones, the, the rookie this year, played 150 more snaps, and he gave up fewer pressures and the same amount of sacks as Jedrick Wills. So like I said, we'll we'll get to him. I know he's playing right tackle, Wills is left tackle, but you know, we're we cannot talk about the offensive line without comparing these two players. It's gonna happen all offseason. It's already happened this past season. It's just gonna happen. So another huge gripe about Wills amongst Browns fans, as you well know, because if you're watching this, you're a Browns fan, most likely. Jedrick Wills flagged with six penalties in those eight games that he played. And it looks like on the breakdown, three were holding, two were a false start. And I do not know where the sixth one comes from, but whatever, they don't have it listed. Anyway, he's still getting charged with six penalties, which, well, actually, if I'm looking at the breakdown here, as a rookie, he had 11 penalties in the full season. And then his sophomore year, uh, he played 13 games, four penalties. Last year, he played all 17, eight penalties. This year, he had six and eight games. So his rate this year was more in line with his rookie season. Not great, Jed Wills, not great. He, uh, let's see, talking about the penalties, among all the tackles who had six penalties, whenever I looked at the list, he had the lowest total snaps by far, except for Joshua Izudu with the Giants. He had six uh, six penalties on just 266 snaps. So again, Jed Wills, he had six penalties on 569 snaps. So not great compared to the other tackles that I pulled here. Now let's see. On the plus side, Jedrick Wills' eight games was... it was His season was kind of like a 50-50 split, I'll say. And I'm kind of going through you know the, the box score, the PFF stat lines from each game. And... We detailed this as the season was going on. The first half of his season was not good at all. Not good. He never had a PFF grade over 60, which is really bad. Uh, he had two games down in the 40s, which is really freaking bad. And then in the second half of his season, the, the last four games he played, his lowest PFF grade was 58, and the other threes were all 60 or above. So again, not great, but you did see the improvement over that the second stretch of his season and you just got to imagine if the season had continued on and for him and he hadn't gotten injured maybe he'd have continued to improve uh i don't know that that was the trend he was taking it seemed like he was starting to turn the corner and then he got hurt and that was the end of jed wills for 2023 two-thirds of his sacks were in the first four games 18 pressures versus 11 over his last four games you know i'm not saying that's a drastic turnaround but again it was nice to see his play on the field start to improve before he got injured. That's kind of the quick rundown 
on Jedrick Wills Jr. Contractually speaking, Jed Wills is currently going into his fifth year option, which the Browns picked up last offseason. He is a $14.6 million cap hit in 2024. All four, well, $14.2 million of that is guaranteed. It's a fifth year option. The money's guaranteed. He has a dead cap of $16 million. So, for anybody out there thinking, we need to trade Jed, we need to cut Jed, we just need to move on from Jed, I hear you. I'm not saying that I think the Browns should get rid of him. I'm not saying that I think the Browns need to do everything they can and keep playing him at left tackle. All I'm saying is there are definitely people that rightfully so would like to move on from Jed, and I hear you. So let's talk about the scenarios according to Over the Cap. The Cleveland Browns cannot cut Jed Wills. Let's see. They cannot cut pre-June or post-June. So they cannot cut him based on over the cap. The $16 million uh, dead cap, they would lose 1.3 against the cap. Or if it's after June 1st, he's a $14.6 million dead cap and they would save zero against the cap. So it would make no sense whatsoever to move on from him in a cut. So if they trade him pre-June 1st, it shows that he's just a 1.8 million dead cap with 12.7 million saved. Now that's, well, we'll get into it. A post-June 1st trade, he is a $460,000 dead cap with $14.1 million saved. So if they trade him pre or post, it doesn't really matter. Like it, it pre, it's 12.7, post, it's 14. Either way, it's it's close to the same number. But that's assuming somebody wants him. And there's your kicker. That's assuming somebody says, yeah, I would like to take Jed Wills and I'll take his, uh, you know, whatever, $14 million contract on, on this fifth-year option. I don't find that likely given his play. If if he's a player, and this is something that I think a lot of fans react with emotion before they react with any sort of logic or common sense thinking about it. And I understand, trust me, I'm we are Browns fans on this show. We are, we are Browns fans first and foremost the emotions are definitely riding high with us as well. And it's easy, like I said, to just shout and cry, get rid of this guy. We don't want him, trade him. Let's trade him. Well, if we don't want him, what makes you think another team wants him at that at that price point? And I did have somebody on social media say, well, that was a horrible move by Andrew Barry last year to pick up that fifth year option. When they picked up that option, he was the only other healthy tackle, like good starting experienced tackle on our roster. Otherwise, it would just be Conklin and freaking James Hudson, who we'll get to. So at the time, it was the perfect, it made sense. It was the right move to pick up Jed's fifth-year option. We didn't know we were going to draft Dewan Jones and he was going to be a freaking stud day one. We had no idea that was going to happen. So hindsight 2020, but you got to understand in that moment in time, this was the right move. So the other option for the Browns with Jed Wills, they can restructure his contract to save up to $9.75 million toward the cap. I see that as the most likely scenario. I see the Browns restructuring Jed Wills' contract to kind of alleviate a little bit of his cap pressure. They're not going to cut him because they can't. And they're not going to trade him because I don't think they can. So I think the only option is to restructure and hope to God that he has a, a come out season where he's he's one of the best left tackles in in football or at least a top 15 guy like just be just be consistently competent you don't have to be an all-star you don't have to be an all-pro or anything like that jed we just need you to be consistently competent that means knock off the lazy ass shit out there quit allowing so much pressure from that left side and for god's sake do not block a guy bull rushing you clear to the right side of the line into Jack Conklin's freaking knee. Let's, you know, th those are the kinds of things that piss fans off to no end. And there you go. I'm speaking as a fan because it pissed me off to no end. With that being said, it will be a contract prove it type of year for Jed Wills because the Browns are not looking to give him a contract extension, you know, off of this fifth year option right now. It's going to be, hey, look, you're here. You got your fifth year contract guaranteed money. Prove it. Prove that you deserve a second contract because, what I mean, whether you get the second contract with the Browns or not, you're working for a second contract from somebody and everybody's going to have your tape, Jed. So 
I think, honestly, I do think 2024 could be a pretty good year for Jed Wills. You see guys in contract seasons, just they just play a little better because there's more incentive. You don't want this to be, you're coming off your rookie deal. You don't want this to be it. Like I said, he's what, 25 years old, going to be 25? I mean, there's a lot of football left to be played, a lot of football years left for a guy who's already made it to this level. You need to take advantage of the opportunity when you have it because it doesn't last very long for players. I mean, I think the average the average uh, career span for an NFL player is like two, two or three years or something on average across the whole league. So if you're a, a player that has the opportunity to get a second contract, not just a second contract, but a decent size second contract, man, you got to grab that by the nuts and take it. So that's Jed Wills. Now let's move over to a guy that we don't have to talk about stats for because he didn't play this year hardly at all. And that's unfortunately Jack Conklin, six foot six, 308 pounds. He is 29 years old. So he is older. He's going to turn 30 before the season in August. So uh, Jack, Conklin, Jack Conklin is going to be a 30 year old offensive lineman, born in Plainwell, Michigan, played at Michigan State. And some of this stuff I find on these guys pretty interesting. So Jack Conklin was actually a walk-on at Michigan State in 2013. And then he was selected as a first-team All-American and first-team Big Ten in 2015. So he went from a walk-on in 2013 to being first-team All-American, first-team Big Ten just two years later. We know that Jack Conklin is a stud. He is a, uh, let's see, number eight. He was the number eight overall pick, top 10 pick in 2016 by the Titans. Conklin's actually a two-time first-team All-Pro tackle. He got he got voted as an All-Pro tackle his rookie season in 2016 with the Titans, and then again in his first season with the Browns in 2020. So Jack Conklin is a damn good right tackle in the NFL. I mean, we we talk about all the time these. It is hard. Like Pro Bowl is one thing, but to make an All-Pro, it All-Pro is super selective. There's not very many spots allocated to be. To, to the all pro selections and he's made two of them in his career. Now that the, the problem with his career has been health, but man, when this guy plays a full season, he is dominant. Unfortunately for the Browns in 2023, Conklin was placed on IR after week one. He had a torn ACL and MCL lost the entire season in 2023. Again, because of that guy that got thrown into the back of his knee Unfortunately, by Jed Wills uh, getting bull rushed on the clear other side of the line. So if you recall two seasons ago in 2021, a little history here, Conklin went on IR with the Browns. He had an elbow injury. He came back, immediately got a right knee injury, torn patellar, and it ended his season. So that's two seasons now with the Browns ended by knee injuries. In 2021, he played just seven games. And in 2023, just a portion of one. Again, he's going to be 30 years old. You got to think his risk of more injuries in the future is even higher considering he's his number of injuries in the past and his ever-increasing age. And obviously, you're probably saying, well, no shit. People get older every second. Yes, I understand that. There's a difference between being injured when you are 22 and when you are 30. If you're 30, you know what I'm talking about. And it's the same conversation we're having with Nick Chubb. People are saying, hey, look, he came back from this you know, devastating knee injury in college, and look what he's been able to do in the NFL. He'll come back again. Guys, it's a little different whenever you're 19 years old coming back from an injury with a young, healthy body, and you're 28, 29 coming back from the same injury a second time. But now you're a decade older. It's, a, it's just a different story. So with Conklin, on the contract side of things, Let's see. Last offseason, the Cleveland Browns extended Jack Conklin with a four-year, $60 million deal. They extended him through the 2026 season. Again, at the time, kind of the same as Jed Wills. That was the right move because we wanted to shore up that offensive line and keep our, our guys in place. Had no idea Dewan Jones was going to come out and look like, like a future, not just a starter, but he could be an all-pro himself. So... What are the scenarios, according to Over the Cap, considering that Conklin is the eighth highest paid player on the Cleveland Browns for 2024? He's got a cap hit of $12 million and a dead cap of, if I'm looking right here, $27.4 million. That is a, as we call, a shit ton. So can't cut him. 
Cannot cut Jack Conklin pre-June 1st. His dead cap is 27.4, like I just said. Post-June 1st is 13 million. Yeah, too expensive. Cannot cannot cut Jack Conklin. You cannot trade Jack Conklin pre-June 1st. Before June 1st, his dead cap is $22 million in a trade. Now, playing with the scenarios on OTC, post-June 1st, things get a little interesting. His trade option shows that there's just a $7.5 million dead cap with 4.6 to be saved toward the cap. Not the most ideal situation. Uh, I doubt any team is really gunning to trade for him and just taking his contract as it is with his injury history, his age, everything that, you know, we talk, just talked about this with Jed Wills. If there are things that the Browns are looking to move on from, they're probably not things that another team are looking to take on. So a trade may not be the most likely scenario. And I'm wondering as far as his, rest- so there's not a whole ton that can be done to restructure. If they restructure his contract, you're looking at $2.6 million saved against the cap. They might do that. We'll never know. But there, there's a couple possibilities. I just, at this point in time, I think Jack Conklin, unless he decides to retire or there's some sort of injury, I, I, I don't know all the contracts in and outs of all these things. I don't know if there's like an injury settlement type thing that they can agree upon or, or a buyout option. I have no idea what the Browns can do. I just know that based on these numbers on over the cap, it looks like, you know, Jack Conklin, as long as he makes a good recovery from this knee injury, and I haven't heard anything negative about it. You know, I think that he could be, you know, what, what do you do if you're the Browns? We'll just do a quick side here. So what are you going to do? You know, you've got Jed Wills, most likely left tackle. That's where he's played. You have Dewan Jones, a second year guy who looks like, I mean, he's, you want him at right tackle. I mean, he dominated TJ Watt twice. What do you do with Jack Conklin? Do you just keep this super high, highly paid backup tackle on your roster for the year? Because I think next year they can move on with a cut or something like that. And it's not such a financial obligation, but this year I'm not hundred percent sure what they're going to do. So again, when Conklin is healthy, man, he's one of the best tackles in the league. He's awesome. It's just, the health is a major question mark, unfortunately, for him. This episode is brought to you by Omaha Steaks. Browns fans, you know my household runs on Omaha Steaks, and that's why I'm so excited that 50% off site-wide is back. That's right. It's Omaha Steaks President's Day sale, and right now, listeners of this show can go to omahasteaks.com slash dogs, D-A-W-G-S, use promo code dogs when you check out and get eight free burgers with your order. With the price of food and meat nowadays being sky high, these are my favorite sales of the year because nothing can beat 50% off all the juicy, tender steaks, burgers, chicken, pork, seafood, etc. Plus grab a package with the caramel apple tartlets for dessert. I never order anything from Omaha Steaks without getting those caramel apple tartlets. Take advantage of this sale right now before it's over. That's 50% off site-wide at omahasteaks.com slash dogs. Use promo code dogs and get eight free burgers with your order. Hey, Ohio, if you haven't downloaded the BetMGM app yet, you'll definitely want to take advantage of this limited time offer. New users who sign up through our link must deposit $10 and place a first wager of $5 on any live bet. Once your bet is placed, you will instantly receive $150 in bonus bets. You will get three bonus bet tokens of $50, allowing you to make multiple wagers with your bonuses. This offer is only available if you sign up through our link, which you can find in the description below, or scan the QR code on your screen to start signing up. This offer is only available for new customers who are 21 and older and physically present in Ohio. Please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Check the episode description for the full terms of the offer to see if you qualify. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. So let's dive into Dewan Jones. He's six foot eight, 375 pounds. He's just 22 years old. He's going to turn 23 in August before the season. He was born in Indianapolis, Indiana, had Division I offers for college for both football and basketball. So those basketball skills, man, you see those. They're clear on the NFL field with how quickly this 
mountain of a man can move his feet, can can move around the field, shuffle. He's awesome. He's quite the athlete for his size. He played college football at the Ohio State University, my alma mater. And the Browns selected him in the fourth round of last year's draft, number 1-1-1 overall. Speaking of 1-1, DeWan Jones played in 11 games, filling in for the injured Jack Conklin. He was thrust into that starting right tackle position immediately in week one, and he never looked back. Week seven, he had the injury. He Then he came back from that first injury, played sparingly, if you recall, against Seattle and Pittsburgh. They kind of used him situationally, but he wasn't necessarily the starter. He didn't play every snap. He came back and he played, I think he started the Denver game, started the Rams game, and then immediately placed on IR with his own knee injury. So there we go. Now we're coming into the season with two right tackles, two very competent, high-level, you know, when they're healthy, elite-level right tackles who both now have are coming off of injuries from the prior year. So I don't know what you do. I don't know what you do if you're the Browns, but the injuries just absolutely derailed everything this year, and it sucked. It sucked watching. It sucked dealing with them. And it sucks talking about how you move forward considering them now. So moving over to PFF, out of those 88 qualifying tackles, Dewan Jones' offense grade was a 64.7. That put him at 51 out of 88. His run blocking was not great, 53.5. That was 69 out of 88. But his pass blocking was a 73. That was 26 out of 88. So that's that's pretty damn good for a rookie. And that's really where we saw him shine with, was in passing downs, pass blocking situations, just a mammoth out there. And uh, I feel like run blocking is something that he can improve upon. But when you're starting out your career as a rookie, pass blocking that efficiently, that effectively, that's, that bodes very well for your career as an NFL player. He played 712 total snaps. He allowed 21 pressures on 419 pass block snaps, 5% pressure rate. Remember, Jed Wills was nine. So Dewan Jones, almost half of that. He gave up three sacks, same as Jed, three hits, 15 hurries. And again, I made the note here, he played 150 more snaps, gave up fewer pressures and the same amount of sacks as Jed Wills on the other side of the ball. So compared to the six penalties on Wills, Dewan Jones got flagged just twice this season, which is awesome. Getting to play the whole season, but you know, so that's pretty good for a rookie tackle going up against some really good pass rushers in his starts. And my favorite stat, I alluded to it a little bit ago throughout the name. My favorite stat for Dewan Jones played two games against the Steelers. Now, the first game he started the whole game, played the whole game. The second game was where he was used sparingly, but in those two games against the Steelers. And everybody's, you know, snubbed depoy TJ Watt. Big Thanos allowed just five total pressures and zero sacks against TJ Watt and the Steelers front. So Dewan Jones is made for the AFC North. He's made for the Browns, and we are very, very fortunate to have him. Thank you, Andrew. So on the contract side of things, not a whole lot to talk about. The Browns have a starting tackle for the future. He's on his rookie deal, four-year, $4.6 million contract. This is year two. Cap hit is $1.1 million. I expect some big-ass things for big-ass Thanos in year two. So I am going to have to temper down my excitement coming off of Dewan Jones because next I got to talk about James Hudson III. James Hudson is 6'5", 313. He's still just 24 years old. He's going to turn 25 in May. Born in Toledo, Ohio. Started his college career at Michigan. Maybe that's why I don't like him so much. No, I think it was his play on the field. He uh, redshirted his freshman year, transitioned from a defensive tackle to an offensive tackle. I don't know how many people knew that, but you know, coming into the NFL, he, offensive tackle, the offensive side of the ball was not his, not a whole lot of his background. He had played defense all through high school and starting out in college. So a D tackle to an O tackle. And then he left Michigan. Oh, good move. Get out of that place. Left Michigan, transferred to Cincinnati, and the Browns selected him in the fourth round of the 2021 draft, number 110 overall. So that's kind of interesting. He was selected at 110. Dewan Jones was selected at 111. This is the thing about the draft. You know, just as a quick sidebar, it is a freaking crapshoot. So anybody out there, I see it all the time online. You can't trade away our draft picks for players because we need those draft picks. Uh, Take draft pick 110 
just as a perfect example, you could get James Hudson or you could get Dewan Jones. You don't know what you're going to get. You could get something anywhere in between. You could get somebody worse than James Hudson. I'm just saying this, this is the, these are the chances you take as an NFL GM doing the draft. You just, you, you do your research, you make the most educated, best analytical, you know, decision you can at each pick. And then you just sit back and you pray to God, it was not a bad pick. And that's really all you can do. Stats wise for James Hudson. Let's see. He played in nine games and, you know, he filled in with Conklin, Wills, Dewan Jones, all being out. So we were down to the bottom of the barrel at tackle. So nine games for James Hudson this year, that's way too many games with him as a starting tackle for our offense. And we felt that. So out of those 88 qualifying tackles on PFF, his offense grade was a 46.8. That was 82 out of 88. Not good at all. Run blocking was a 52.9. That's 71st. And pass blocking was a 51.1. That was 74th. Yuck. He played 556 total snaps. He allowed 29 pressures on 329 pass block snaps. A 9% pressure rate, same as Jed Wills. So come on, Jed, you got to lower that thing, man. (laughs) You look like James Hudson. He gave up four sacks, seven hits, 18 hurries, and he had nine penalties. He was heavily penalized this year. Ugh. That's about all I want to say about James Hudson. So let's talk about contract, okay? 2024 is going to mercifully be his final year on his rookie deal, which was a four-year, $4.3 million contract to begin with. His cap hit this year is a $1.25 million hit, almost no dead cap. So, I mean, to cut him would be nothing. He is, unfortunately, a very cheap depth option at offensive tackle. As I have been not shy about, he is not all that good, but... Honestly, he's probably in line with what you'd be betting on in the free agent market or a later round rookie again to to replace him. So I don't love it, but he's probably going to finish out his rookie contract in Cleveland and then he'll move on and, and probably, you know, maybe get a, a depth job somewhere else. But I, I think this will he'll be here in 24 and I think it'll be his last season here. Um, that's about all I want to say about James Hudson. Uh, as far as tackles, offensive tackles go, just got to mention Leroy Watson. He played 55 snaps for the Browns in 2023. He is on the roster right now with less than a million <laughs> against the cap. He's 915,000. So, I, I mean, Leroy Watson could be cut at any point. You know, this offseason, uh, he might stick around for camp and stuff, end up being a practice squad guy. I don't know. And then a reserve futures uh, deal was signed by Justin Murray. Justin Murray. There you go. Okay. So then we will talk about, let's talk about our off or no, I'm sorry. One last tackle. Got to talk about free agent. He's not on the roster for 2024. He is a free agent. This offseason, Jerron Christian senior. So Jerron Christian played in 10 games. He's 637 snaps for the Browns in 2023. He had a 43.2 defense grade. That was 84th out of 88. So not great either. Him and Hudson being our starting tackles for the back half of the season and into that playoff game. Ugh, ugh. I don't really know what else to say. He had a 35.7 run block. It might as well be zero at that point. He had a 53.1 pass block. Not great. Him and James Hudson, not great. So and I believe we signed him off of the 49ers practice squad at one point on our practice squad, elevated him with all the injuries, blah, blah, blah. We did what we had to do this year. And, uh, you know, it's it's crazy that we finished the season the way we did, considering that those, just, just considering those two guys were our starting tackles, not to mention we were on QB4 for the season. Jerron Christian gave up 33 pressures on 400 pass snaps. It's an 8.25% pressure rate. So in the same ballpark as Jed and James, he gave up four sacks, six hits, and 23 hurries. I do not expect to see Jerron Christian back with the Browns in 2024. So let's move on to the guard position. Joel Betonio. We got to talk about Joel freaking Betonio because this guy is going to be a future Hall of Famer. I really do believe that. He is way too damn good not to make it into the Hall of Fame. He is a Cleveland Brown through and through. He is this era, this generation, I guess if you can say, version of Joe Thomas, even though the two were on on the same offensive line together for a, a little bit. 
which is just crazy to believe. We had Joel Petonio and Joe Thomas together. Awesome. Totally awesome. Too bad we couldn't win more games, Browns. Six foot four, 320 pounds, 32 years old. He's going to turn 33 next season. So Joel Petonio, not a whole ton of years left probably for him in his career, but he's still doing it at a high level, which we will talk about. He was born in San Pedro, California, played high school in Long Beach. It's a Cali boy. Played college at Nevada, and the Browns selected him in the second round of the 2014 draft, number 35 overall. So he was a very early second round pick by the Browns. He played in 15 games this season. He only missed the San Francisco game after the bye week with an injury. And then moving into PFF. So for the guards, there were 85 qualifying guards, minimum of 250 snaps. Joel Batonio had a 68 offense grade. That was 19th overall. Run blocking was a 61. That was 31st overall. So just so-so. Pass blocking a 71.2. That was 13th. So pretty damn good there. He played 1,047 total snaps, allowed 27 pressures on 621 pass block snaps for a pressure rate of 4%. Remember what I was talking about with the tackles? 9, 8.255, Joel Batoni was at 4. He gave up just two sacks on the entire season, just three quarterback hits on the entire season, and 22 hurries. So very, very good. He is, he's just a solid left guard. You want to talk about dependable and reliable. That's Joel Petonio. Just four penalties on the entire season. Man, I I love Joel Petonio. How can you not love Joel? His cap hit for 2024 is a 12, $12.14 million dead cap of 8.7. So based on the scenarios in OTC, the Browns could cut or trade him after June 1st. So if they cut him, which is not going to cut him, if they traded him, I doubt they're going to trade him, but these are the scenarios. After June 1st, it's an $8.5 million cap savings. And it looks like they could possibly restructure his contract to clear up $4.3 million. To me, that would make him a, a restructure candidate. I just, I don't know how you move on from Joel Batonio right now. It's just, he's a Hall of Famer. It's just, what am I supposed to say? He's, he's awesome. So that kicks it over to the right guard. Wyatt Teller, six foot four, 315 pounds. He is 29, will turn 30 right around Thanksgiving during the season. He was born in Manassas, Virginia, played college at Virginia Tech. So he was picked a little bit later. He was a fifth round pick, number 166 overall in 2018 by the Buffalo Bills. And he was only with the Bills for one season before the Browns actually traded for him in 2019, right before the season. I don't know how many of you remember that. That was, let's see, was that the first year we did this? Must have been the first. No, it was not the first year we were doing the podcast because he was on the team. And I don't think he really became the starter until 2020, which was our first year doing this podcast. But the Browns trade, they sent a fifth and sixth round pick to Buffalo for Wyatt Teller, and they got a seventh back in return. Now, when you look at it right now, you know you, you know that Wyatt Teller's a pro bowler. He's one of the best guards in the league. Oh, this sounds like an Andrew Berry trade. But you got to remember at the time, it was just his second year. He hadn't done much in Buffalo. I don't even know if he played much his rookie year at all. And uh, yeah, so a fifth and a sixth. They get Teller in a seventh back. Yada, yada, boom. Moving into this year, though, he played all 16 games this season. So dependable, reliable, available. The interior of our offensive line is what stuck this year. That's what remained healthy. We had our guards and our center, which were that was pretty pretty consistent all year. It was the tackle position that we were just, whoo, man, it was bad. Move over to PFF. Uh, let's see, Wyatt Teller offense grade seventy two point nine. That's a that was number eleven out of eighty eight guards in the league. So very good for why we hit, both of our guards were top fifteen. That's sweet. That is absolutely sweet. Now his run blocking, we know this. Better than Joel's, 73.6. That was 10th best in the league. He's a hell of a run blocker. His pass blocking, of course, still really good at 68.6. That was 17th. Lower than Joel's, but very good still. He played 1,187 total snaps. He allowed 27 pressures on 709 pass block snaps. His pressure rate, 3.8. Very good. Gave up just, well, I shouldn't say just. He gave up six sacks, which was high. But again, the pressure rate was low. So when guys beat him, they freaking beat him. But 
it wasn't that often. Six sacks, four hits, 17 hurries, and he did have six penalties on the year. So now the interesting things about Teller come with the contract. His cap hit is $11.6 million against the cap in 2024. His dead cap is a $16.8 million. Now the Browns could trade Wyatt Teller after June 1st and save $6.4 million in cap space, but not before June 1st. And then it also looks like they could potentially restructure his contract to clear up $3.4 million toward the cap. So I have seen Wyatt Teller's name floated around as a possible trade candidate in some trade scenarios and things like that. We talked on the live show on Monday when we were talking about the possibility of trading for Brandon Ayuk and players that the Browns could realistically package with a pick or two to trade to the 49ers for Brandon Ayuk, ways they can clear up cap space to pay for the extension that Ayuk's going to need if they did trade for him. And, you know, my ideal trade piece in terms of, you know, player personnel would have been Greg Newsom, but Blake said Wyatt Teller. And, you know, his argument was valid. He said it's much easier to replace an offensive guard and get similar production than it is to replace a cornerback and get similar production because cornerback is such a difficult position to play. And it's a difficult position to get competent play out of your guys. And, you know, Greg Newsom, I know he gets a lot of flack for missed tackles and things like that, but he's still a hell of a cornerback. I think he's very good and he's very good in Jim Schwartz's defense. And, you know, I'm sorry, guys, all cornerbacks, all defensive backs are going to have moments where they just, they get beat. We're going up against the most elite athletes in the world at the wide receiver position. And there's a reason why guys like Tyree Kill and, you know, players like that just are unguardable because they're just so damn good. doesn't really matter who they go up against sometimes. So Greg Newsom is going to get beat. But in, you know, relatively speaking to all the cornerbacks in the league, he's a, he's a very good cornerback. But I, I, Blake had a really good point. We love Wyatt Teller. I want Wyatt Teller on the team. Don't hear what I'm not saying, guys. I want him on the team. I do not want to lose Wyatt Teller. But if it was like, hey, the only way we can get Brandon Ayuk is to include Wyatt Teller in the trade, I'm probably pulling the trigger on that because Ayuk's going to have a bigger impact on the offense than Teller, unfortunately. And it's a lot harder to get a receiver who can produce at Ayuk's level than it is to get a guard who can produce similar to Teller's level. It's just, it just is what it is. It's just the reality of the situation. But I think the most likely scenario is he's going to get restructured. I think our offensive line is set. I don't think we have too much to worry about here. If that qualms your fears a little bit. This episode is brought to you by Manly Bands. Browns fans, I have an exciting new sponsorship partner for you guys, and it is crazy how it all happened, okay? So I'm getting married soon. I went to pick out my wedding band. I did not know that the cost of gold was the highest it's ever been. So, you know, when the rings I, I liked and they pulled out of the case and showed me and I, I turned it over, saw the price tag and they were $1,600. Yeah, I essentially crapped my pants and ran out of there. I hate jewelry stores. I hate the salespeople. I hate the selection. We went and again, true story here, seven different stores looking for a ring and all of them had the most pathetic selection imaginable for men. So I said, screw it. I went to manlybands.com and everything after that point was an incredible experience. Their selection is huge. All sorts of styles, materials. Guys, they have wedding bands made from Jack Daniels whiskey barrels, meteorites, and even dinosaur bones. They also have a huge selection of the tungsten rings that everybody likes, cobalt chrome, and gold. And the best part was the customer service was some of the best I've ever received. In a world of AI and bots, Manly Bands keeps it real with real freaking people. The whole experience was so awesome, I asked if we could advertise for them on the show, and here we are. Screw those jewelry stores and those salespeople. Manlybands.com. Use promo code DOGS, D-A-W-G-S, for a whopping 25% off your order. Whether you've already got a band or you're getting married in the future, check out what they have. Also, you can order a free ring size guide, and they'll ship it straight to you. So you know exactly what size ring you need. And again, never step foot in a jewelry store. And also for you big fellows with the big hands, guys, they got rings up to size 20. Rings come with free engraving in the U.S. and they send you a free silicone band with your order. It's unreal. These guys are the best. Manlybands.com. Promo code DOGS for 25% off your order. 
We don't have too many other guys to talk about at guard. Uh, Drew Forbes, six foot five, three oh eight. He's twenty seven. Just turned twenty seven last month. Born in Bontier, Missouri. College at Southeast Missouri State. Forbes was a six-round pick, 189 overall by the Browns in 2019, had a knee injury, went on IR's rookie season, and he opted out of 2020 because of COVID, went on season-ending IR for a knee injury in all of 2021, then he was released by the Browns before 2022, signed with the Lions, they cut him, Browns claimed him, went on reserve non-football illness for 2023, so Drew Forbes is a name you may have seen if you're looking at the Browns roster and stuff like that, but he's like literally never played in all the years he's been in the NFL. So whatever his contract, he's a $1.2 million cap hit in 24, $100,000 dead cap. So essentially zero. I, I don't know if he's even on the team in 24. And then there's a free agent, Michael Dunn. We'll just mention him real quick. He played 248 snaps for the Browns in 23. He filled in for Joel Batonio against the 49ers. And he filled in again for Joel whenever he went out with an injury against the bears. And of course played in the season finale against the Bengals. He will be 30 years old in 2024. He's he's a free agent, like I said, so I don't see any reason to talk anymore about Michael Dunn. And finally, we will move. There's a lot of guys to talk about with the offensive line. Didn't I tell you? We are going to move over to the center position. We are going to land right smack dab in the middle of that offensive line and talk about Ethan Posick. Six foot six, tall dude, 320 pounds, 28 years old. He'll be 29 Right before the season, he was born in Lamont, Illinois, played college at LSU. He was a second-round pick, number 58 overall, by the Seahawks in 2017. Ethan Posick signed a one-year deal as a free agent with the Browns back in 2022. If you recall, he was named the starter after Nick Harris was injured in the preseason that year. And then he played 10 games in 2022 before going on IR himself. And then uh, I believe he came back at the end of the season for some games. And then last offseason, he came back to the Browns on a three-year, $18 million extension, which we were pumped about because, again, this was another offensive lineman. This kind of goes back to the teller argument, too. If, if we have to move him, the Browns do things like this. Ethan Posick was just signed as a depth piece behind Nick Harris. And as soon as Nick Harris went out, Posick comes in, and he was PFF's third best center in 2022. And then last year when we re-signed him, extended him, that was pretty exciting. We were happy to have him back. He played in 15 games this year, and he only missed the Chicago game in week 15. So let's see, PFF, 250 minimum snaps. That gave me 38 qualifying centers. His offense grade was a 71.4, so that was 12th overall in the league. 69.8 run blocking grade, that was 16th, and a 70.7 pass blocking grade, which was 10th. Very good grades, again, for Ethan Posick. He played a total of 999 snaps, one shy of 1,000. That's got to suck. I'm just kidding. I'm sure he doesn't care. He allowed 17 pressures on 582 pass block snaps. That's just a 2.9% pressure rate. Very good. Lowest of all the linemen. He gave up one sack on the entire season, which is great. Just two quarterback hits, only 14 hurries, and he got penalized five times. Ethan Posick. I said it and forget it kind of center. Very happy to have him on the roster. And I'm very happy to have him at his price point because his cap hit is just $4 million. His dead cap is 8.7. There's no savings to be had in any cut or trade scenarios. And if you're paying $4 million for a top 10 center in the NFL, you don't freaking move it. That is awesome. That's Honestly, it's, it's one of the best values the Browns have on the roster is to have Ethan Posick at $4 million at center, can't beat it. You cannot beat it. So we just have a couple guys left to talk about. We'll kind of run through these quick. Luke Whipler, six foot three, 303, 22 years old. He's going to turn 23 in May. He was born in Dunnelin, New Jersey. He played high school at Montvale and he played college, just like Dewan Jones at The Ohio State University. Sixth round pick, 190th overall by the Browns last year in 23. And, you know, like I said, the interior of the offensive line stayed pretty consistently healthy this year. Thank God. And so not a whole lot of opportunity for Luke Whipler, which that's ideal that we didn't want our depth pieces playing a lot this year. So he had 53 total snaps. He played, he played 53 snaps in the week 18 game against the Bengals, and he allowed just one pressure, and that was it. 
one total pressure on 53 snaps against the Bengals. Impressive. You know what I mean? Just for a guy who's gotten zero NFL reps outside of the preseason, which was like four months before this game, he comes in, gets the start against the Bengals, and I, th- I think he really held his own in that game. It was pretty exciting to see. He actually had a, a 65.3 PFF grade for that game, so not like otherworldly stellar, but not bad either. I was very excited, and I think the other guys were too, when the Browns drafted Luke Whipler, uh, uh, the second offensive lineman from Ohio State, because the Ohio State offensive line was one of the absolute best in the nation in 2022. Luke Whipler had an 83.4 offense grade his last year in college, and in two seasons as the starting center for the Ohio State Buckeyes, he allowed just 13 total pressures and gave up zero sacks in two full seasons. He played over 1,500 snaps, and he only gave up 13 pressures. No sacks on 1,500 snaps. The kid was awesome in college. Now, he fell in the draft primarily because he is undersized, but I still think that he can be a starting lineman for the Browns at some point. I really do. I He's a talented dude. He's a $1 million cap hit in 24, and... He's a name to watch as a potential elevation in his expectations, just depending on what the Browns decide to do with some of the other pieces on the offensive line in a scenario where say Wyatt Teller is moved and he's not here anymore. That could be an opportunity for a guy like Luke Whipler to take over a starting guard spot. And I don't think he would fail. I don't, I don't think he would be bad at all. I think the Browns got a good one in Luke Whipler. All right. So then we'll talk about Dawson Deaton He's a small guy too, six foot one, three oh six, born in Frisco, Texas. Played college at Texas Tech. Seventh round pick, two hundred forty sixth overall by the Browns in twenty twenty two. Placed on IR before the twenty twenty two season, and uh, he was then waived. And I, I looked; I honestly cannot find when he even came back onto the roster. But he's currently listed on the reserve non football illness list. That's all I'm going to say about Dawson Deaton. And the only other guy, the last name we're going to talk about, and then I got to give my throat a break because it is scratchy talking about all these offensive linemen. Nick Harris is a free agent, six foot one, 293, 25 years old, born in Santa Ana, California, college at Washington. That came out weird. College at Washington. There we go. That's a little better, right? Fifth round pick, 160 overall by the Browns in 2020. So again, AB's first draft. He was named the starting center. If you remember, I mentioned this with Ethan Ethan Posig. Nick Harris was named the starting center in 2022. And then I think it was the first preseason game against the Jaguars. He goes out, season-ending knee injury in that game. And it's like, well, crap. We just, we we waived uh, J.C. Treader, if you recall, and said, we're doing that because we're confident in Nick Harris. It's like, okay, cool. They're confident in Nick Harris. Let's go. Boom. Injured out. It's like, oh shit. We, we lost JC Treader willingly. And now we've lost the guy that we elected to replace him. What are we going to do? But you know, Ethan Posick came in and, uh, he's the dude, like I just talked about, he's like the best value on the team. So Nick Harris played 311 snaps this past season, 222 at center filling in when Posick was out mostly in the Jacksonville game. And then some in the bears game. And then uh, Nick Harris started at center that week 18 Bengals game. And a lot of Nick Harris's snaps, though, this is this is the one cool thing I liked about him this year, came at the fullback position. And I thought that when the Browns started using, <clears throat> excuse me, when the Browns started using Nick Harris at the fullback spot, when our run game was struggling, our guys just couldn't get any sort of movement with the ball. Our offensive line was all banged up. And they start putting Nick Harris in these short yardage goal line situations at fullback. That jumbo package was sweet. I thought that was a really smart move by uh, Kevin Stefanski, a great adjustment to the offense. It was just pretty cool to see. You see a damn near 300-pound guy out there running that fullback position. It's just, as a football fan, you just love to see it. PFF, uh, Nick Harris on those snaps, he had a 59.5 offense grade, 58.7 run block, 66.3 pass block. So nothing spectacular. His pass blocking did rank 12th overall out of all the qualifying centers, but the other two weren't all that great. 
He allowed three pressures on 169 pass block snaps, 1.7%. That's pretty good. It's pretty low considering he played limited snaps and he had uh, two penalties. So my notes on Nick Harris is I don't see, I don't see Nick Harris based on his career to this point. He's not going to command a whole lot on the free agent market. Nobody's clamoring to sign an undersized, you know, maybe backup center, maybe a guard, whatever. But he's a guy that I would peg as somebody the Browns might prioritize in trying to get back on the team because he's not going to cost much. You know he can play center. You know he can play guard. He could be a very good flexibility piece, depth piece on the offensive line. Again, he's not a guy that we're, we're hoping ever takes a starting position, but at one point in his career within the last two seasons, the Cleveland Browns had seen enough out of Nick Harris to say, you're the starting center for this offensive line, which is one of the top in the league. So he does have that potential. And I think with what the Browns know about him, with what he knows about the Browns, he's been here. I could see this. I could see him coming back on just like a one year, one point one five, one point two million dollar deal, something, something low, something little like that, just to get him another year in here on, on, you know, a backup duty, maybe maintain that jumbo package, fullback role, something like that. But I do not think it would be the worst thing in the world if the Browns brought him back, like I said, on a small deal. And that's it. Whew. I tell you what, going through the defensive line and through the offensive line kind of kicks your ass talking about all this stuff because there's so much to talk about. There's so many guys to cover. But I hope I did a good job. I hope you guys learned a lot about the offensive linemen the way I did going through all this information. It's just good to know where the Browns sit going into the upcoming season and to have an idea of the possibilities for each player because I see stuff online all the time. You know, people are posting, let's trade this guy, let's cut that guy, let's, you know, move on from so-and-so. And until you actually look at the cap contract situation, the dead caps, all that stuff, the different scenarios, there's the June 1st cutoff, you know, you can cut or trade guys before or after and it changes the numbers, all that stuff. There's a lot. There's a lot. So it's really hard to just say, well, I would cut so-and-so because he's not very good. Well, maybe you can't. It's just the way it is. So hopefully you guys found a lot of value in the information. I will be back on the next episode breaking down the running backs. I've got some really good information on the running backs. And when I say really good, I mean really insightful because the running backs pretty much blew this season. And I will explain that. But anyway, Appreciate you guys. You rock. The Browns rock. This is a hell of a great time to be a Browns fan. And if again, if you're watching this on YouTube, please like the video. Subscribe to the channel. We are trying to get to 9,000 because we can't get to 10,000 until we get to 9,000. So help us get there. We are pretty darn close right now to nine. And then we're going to be making a strong push to get to 10 before the season. And if you're listening on Spotify, Apple. If you're listening on Apple, I don't say this a ton, but on Apple specifically, if you can give us a five-star rating review, okay? Now, I know like on Spotify, you can tap the five stars and that, dude, that totally helps us out. We love that on Spotify, but they don't give the same option as Apple, where Apple actually gives you the ability to write a review with your rating. And if you give us a five-star review on Apple, just please drop us a comment in the review process and just say great show or love these guys or excellent information, good Browns podcast. Something just, it doesn't have to be elaborate. You don't have to go in a lot of detail about what's so great about the show, but just a written five-star review goes a long way in helping this podcast get in front of more people and it helps us grow. It, it really does. So if you're listening right now on Apple podcast, please go to the main page for the dogs podcast, scroll down to the bottom, tap, leave uh, leave review, Give us a five star. Just type something. I whatever you want to type. Josh, you know his hair looks weird today. Whatever you want to say, I don't really care. Well, if you're listening, I guess you don't know that. Josh's voice sounded weird today, and just whatever you want to talk about, leave it in the comment there, and then post that five star review. Those really help the show, and we appreciate everything you guys do. We appreciate you first and foremost just being along the journey with us. So, thank you again. I'm coming back with running backs in the next show. Go catch up on the defense if you missed it. And until I talk to you guys again, let's go Browns.
Thanks for listening to another episode of The Dogs Podcast. Make sure you subscribe on YouTube and follow us on Twitter at The Dogs Podcast. Get your thoughts on the show at thedogspodcast.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.